Welcome to episode 144 of Your Best Year Starts Here with me, Neil Martin, and my good friend, Mr. Nigel Risner. And Nigel, I don't know where you're going with this, but you just said Taekwondo before we hit the record button. Well, the Olympics have just finished and I'm going back over just a couple of things that I've been watching and some of the things I've been watching are amazing. Now, do you remember one of the very first phrases you ever heard me share on stage? Um, I remember your very first question from the very first time I heard you speak on stage, which was about, you know, 5% in any area of your life. But you remember the next thing I shared? It's my big thing about in the room. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting. So there's a number of sports I've watched. And Taekwondo, I'm now an expert, obviously, in Taekwondo, <laughs> because I have now seen it for two and a half weeks, or about a week, really. So there's been a number of British girls I've been watching, as well as some of the men. But I've watched two phenomenal women in the Taekwondo. And... You get points for, like, a, if you hit them in the chest, and you get two points if you do a sweeping kick, and you get three points if you do a reverse swing, but you get five points if you do a reverse swing on a corner, you do a hachi-chachi, and then they fall over, okay? Okay. In the last two seconds of three of the matches, the, the GB team have been ahead. And with literally one, two seconds to go, the opponent has done a kick or has done a something and they have lost the medal. Okay. Now, this is three, four, in this case, five years of training. And with one second to go, they've lost either gold to silver. And I learned something really interesting, that when the people win their semifinals and they're going into the final, they've already got the silver medal, regardless of what happens. So they're really fighting for gold. Yep. So it's a bit like when England won, when they played in the finals of the Euros, they had already got the silver medal. Yep. They were really playing for the gold medal. Yep. So when they got the runners-up medal, you saw a lot of the English players. Yeah, not take it out. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were so sad and disappointed. What's interesting, and we've shared this on more than one episode, it is the hardest thing to be in the room until the whistle blows. It's the hardest thing to be in the room until you've left your client's house office. And even when you put the phone down, and you may have done this. Do you remember the old days? You'd put the phone down, and then you'd swear, I can't blah, 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 blah. And realise you hadn't hung up. Yeah. Because you're still not complete on your task. So here's the question for everyone. Do you really understand what it means to be in the room? Do you understand the preparation it takes to be in the room? I don't don't know if anyone who watched last week's episode, my door opened and for about seven seconds, I now know my door is open because my dog walked in and I've now got to make a decision. Do I get up, close the door? And all the time that I'm making the decision, I'm not in the room. Mm -hmm. Then I physically get up and obviously I'm then not in the room to close the door. But I wonder how many of us waste minutes, hours, even days not being focused because they need to make a decision. They need to do something. And most of the work that we need to do doesn't take that long if we were really in the room. So our podcast, you know, we try and film 
edit. I, I don't edit, you do. We try and film, produce four or five at a time, and they're average about 15 minutes. And if we were really on time, and if you did four in 15 minutes, that would be an hour. Yep. But it never takes that long because either one of us got to go to the toilet, one has got to get a coffee, one of us has got to get banana sweets that their child bought them at a local fair, <laughs> and all that stuff. And it, so it's only really an hour, and it normally takes us about two hours to do something that we really, if we were, if we had a plane to catch and we had to do it an hour, I bet we could. Yep. But here's the question, and we nearly mentioned about last week, about how much time you're spending doing the stuff you love. If you could be in the room for the allotted time that you committed to doing your process, to doing the pitch, to doing the video, your life would work so much better. The problem is we have what's called, it's a new word for you, Neil, distractions, things that get in the way, things that we think are more important, or you know, your age, you know, wee-wee breaks, and <laughs> chocolate breaks, you know, all these things. And, and, you, and it only takes a minute to go and get a cup of tea. It only takes a minute. The problem is... We leave the room five minutes before we leave, and it takes us another eight minutes to get back to where we were, which accumulation is about 15 minutes. Times that by six or seven in a day. That's an extra two hours you've wasted. Now, there'll be some people say time spent doing stuff that you, you love doing isn't wasted. But I am just saying that, you know, as we start going back to work, and as we start doing things in a slight different way, I honestly believe we could do most of the work we do in half the time if we were in the room. Mm-hmm. And I think the athletes could win more medals if they were in the room until the whistle was blown. You know, I wrote in my book, The Impact Code, when Man United won the European Cup, you know, they were one nil down. They then equalized. And the other team thought, oh, we'll just go in for extra time. And then when Man United scored the, the second goal, the other players were so defeated, they didn't even get up to go back to start again because they thought they'd lost at that point. Yeah. And here's the point for all of us, and we know this. Play the ball until the whistle goes. Be in the room until you've done your job, but give yourself breaks in a, in a manner that allows you to spend a bit longer doing what you need to do. Like, you know I only ever speak for 42 minutes on stage before I have a break. Some it's because of my attention, but I know how long other people can be attentive for. But I do know that loads and loads of people are just not in the room a lot of the time. It's interesting because I think, I mean, like two or three things that have come into my head where you've been saying that. One is being in the Zoom is even harder than being in the room. You know, when people are joining events, meetings, whatever, remotely from home, there's way more distractions. You know, and it's one of the reasons why I, if I'm speaking at something, I really encourage people to turn their cameras on because they're paying more attention if they know that you can see them, you know? So I'm, I'm always mindful of that and try and get more. Like if you run teams and you're doing like team huddles and things on Zoom, get everyone to turn the camera on, you know, because it gives you a much better idea as to who's taking it seriously and who's really there. Um, the next thing that came into my head was, you know, weapons of mass distraction, as in mobile phones and social media. And, you know, oh, I'm just going to post something on Facebook or Instagram. But then you look at everybody else's stuff and you're still there 20 minutes later. It's a huge time stealer. And it's, you know, it, it's how are you using those tools? They're tools. You know, if you're using them for entertainment, that's fine. But how long are you doing it for? You know, if you sit down to watch a TV program, you know roughly how long the program's on for. Social media is kind of like sitting down and do the same thing, but it's open-ended. It never ends. And, and then stay there as long as you want. Hole, 
and you just press one vi- video and it shows you another one it shows you another one and it's it's almost like that box set on netflix isn't it you know where you get to the end it's like oh I've got one more episode only the things are like two minutes three minutes and so they really feel like oh, another two minutes won't matter but another 20 of those two three minute videos and you've lost another hour you know so so there's so there's that aspect but I think the um, I think the other big thing for me that I was going to say is and I can't remember the the, the actual statistic, but it is something about most road traffic accidents happen within like the last mile or last sort of small percentage of a journey because it's like people were almost home and now they think they are home because the roads and things it's it's never when they're going somewhere new it's always when they're on the way back that it happens like that and it's the you know this is so familiar that people kind of stop paying attention. They start thinking about what they're going to do once they get on their driveway and they open their front door, rather than thinking about what they've got to do to get to their driveway. And I think, you know, again, we've all seen it in, well, speaking at conferences is a really good example. If there are scheduled lunch breaks, you know, coffee breaks, and people know that break is coming, they'll start thinking about, hang on a minute, there's going to be a queue for coffee, I want to be at the front of the queue. And so when they feel like it's getting towards the end of a speech, unless it's really engaging them, they stop thinking about what's going on on the stage and they start thinking about how they can be the first one in the queue for lunch. You know, or they start thinking about how they're going to run and get on their train or get the, get their taxi to the airport or whatever it happens to be. As opposed to staying, like you say, staying fully present right up until the last second. And, and sometimes sometimes it's that last second that makes the big difference. And actually, one other thought that's just come into my head, I was at the cinema uh, two, three days ago. Um, I mean, it, by the time you're listening to this, it's a few weeks ago. But I was watching the new um, Avengers movie, Black Widow. And um, like most Avengers movie, there's more movie after the end credits. But how many people get up and leave the cinema when the end credits come on? Most of them even on films where we kind of expect there to be something on the end, you still see the majority of people get up and go, I'm not going to sit for all those credits and leave. But very often they miss something really important that's setting up like the next movie or whatever. But it's something that's really important that they wish they'd stayed for, but they don't. Well, I, I only know that. Do you remember Toy Story? Yeah. Which was all animation. And yeah. they did a blooper setup. Yeah. Came at the end of the credits, and of course I missed that because obviously, like, how can we do bloopers because it's animation? But it was the first time they had created bloopers that obviously weren't bloopers. Yeah, and, and everyone was talking. I was thinking, I don't think I saw that. Yeah, well, it's, but, but it's also, I mean, it's also a bit like you know, going back to sport. Actually, you know, I used to go to the football a lot when I was a kid with my dad and my brother and uncles, granddad. Like it was like a fam, like basically the men in our family did football. Right, it's something we did on Saturdays for. Yeah, you know, a, a number of years, and I can remember particularly going to like away games where you had a longer drive home, where you'd get to maybe eighty-five minutes into the game, and it's like, and, and, and it's like, there's no way we're going to win this game. Let's avoid the crowds and get out to the car. And you would be outside the stadium, walking towards the car, and you hear the crowd erupt, and you knew there'd been a goal. And it didn't happen that often, but it, when it did happen, you were gutted that you'd left the stadium. But you also noticed that you walked backwards looking at the stadium. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you, you kind of like still try and pay attention to the thing you're not really a part of anymore. You've decided... And you can't see, and you can't see but you think if you look that way, you'll see the ball go up in yeah. the air. And it's, and it's almost, again, it's almost like, you know, if we, if we draw social media back into this, 
it's almost like when people decide, okay, I'm not going to go to an event, but then they look at the Facebook profiles and Instagram of everyone that went, you know, or it's like if a, if a relationship ends and people are like checking out the person they used to be in a couple with to see what they're doing in their life now. It's almost like there are things that people can't quite let go of even though they've kind of decided to do something different. And I think the thing I would say, and this is almost, um, you know, this goes back to your be in the room thing. It's like, if you've decided to be in the room, be in the room. If you've decided to leave, accept the fact you've left. But, you know, if you've decided I'm leaving the stadium five minutes early, don't try and listen to what's going on in the stadium. Focus on the thing you've now decided you're going to do instead. You know, if you've decided that, I don't know, you've gone out on a date or something and the phone rings and it's one of your kids and you've decided your kid takes priority, be completely attentive to the child on the end of the phone, not the person sat across the table. Or if you're going to ignore the call, be completely attentive to the person sat across the table rather than taking the phone call. You know, it's like whatever your decision is, Make the decision and stick to it. But I was listening to a climber who said that most accidents in climbing happen on the way home, yeah. not on the way up the mountain. Yeah. Because in theory, they've reached the goal and they don't focus the same on safety and they're not in the climb on the way back. Exactly. You know, whether that's a car journey, whether that, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. It's like, you know, the thing you're doing deserves your full attention while you are doing it. But you think of an Olympian who, you know, I wrote about it on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago, that, you know, when you're winning, you want the bell to go really quickly. And when you're losing and you're trying to get back, you want it to, the time to go slower. It doesn't work that way. You've just got to be your best, play your best, because you've done all that training. I always feel guilty that when people have, you know, they've practiced their speech thousands of times, they get on stage, and instead of just going with it, and if they get a bit nervous or they lose their place, they just continue. Yeah. Because they don't know your speech. Yeah. You know, in theory, we don't know our own podcast. We don't know what we're no. going to be doing. So how on earth are the audience going to know? And often it's pretty obvious we've changed what we're going to be doing because one of us is interrupted. We've had a different thought process. But it's now you think, going, well, I wasn't going to say that, so I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to be angry because that doesn't help anybody. No. But well, I do know that my life works when I'm in the room. Yeah. My driving skills are improved when I'm in the car. Yeah. But still we play the game of, I wonder if I can multitask. And yeah. the real thing I'm saying about it is, is the cost in trying to multitask, first of all, as a bloke, is nearly non-existent. <laughs> but I don't know why you'd want to play that game when you know the stakes are so high on every interaction, on every podcast, on everything we do. And it's no different to when you're doing a piece of social media. So I now don't put in the address of where of what I'm doing until I'm ready to send the email because too often I'll put the address in and I've accidentally pressed send or I haven't written down things. You've sent half an email, yeah. And, and it's because I'm not in the room and I haven't checked what I'm doing and mistakes occur. And there's nothing wrong with mistakes, but you nearly know you're setting yourself up for failure if you don't do basic ground rules. And the ground rule is if you're on the podcast, be on the podcast. If you're in the room, be in the room but it's hard and i feel bad for any sports person who loses in the last second and i'm not saying it was their fault because some of these athletes have just done a kick or they've done something that's been unbelievable and i know you don't watch too much athletics but i think this is going to be the first year where they're doing something brand new that in the athletics in something like the jump and the throwing events whoever gets the top three scores go into a sudden death 
kind of another three, another round, and they get one more chance. Now, I don't know if this is going to be happening in the Olympics because I haven't seen the the athletics hasn't started as of yet. Hopefully, by the time this comes out, I'll be able to come back on this. But it's really interesting. You know, you've got to do your best and you get one more chance. Well, you better play the game properly and be in the room and not just assume because you had a good jump last time, you're going to have another good jump this time. Yeah, no, it's, it, I mean, it's it's a very valid point. And I think the other thing I would say on that, just to wrap it up, is, you know, if you're um, if you're in the sort of industry that, that we're either in or touch on, where you're running events and stuff, because um, this is something that came into my head while you were talking, the other thing in terms of, you know, staying completely present until the end, make sure you give value until the end. Because I don't know about you, but I've I've been at plenty of events, either sitting in the audience or part of the event and being on the stage, where there's some kind of sales process involved. And hey, if you're sending people things that they actually want and need, I have no issue with people doing that. But you know, there's some kind of sales process involved that after the sale, the quality of the content drops. And I hate that. You know, if, if you're showing what you're capable of, keep showing what you're capable of after you've asked people for money, as much as anything, to reassure them that they've actually just made a wise investment. Whereas if you go, okay, you know, we're going to throw everything at you. We're going to fire hose you. We're going to give you all this amazing stuff. Okay, now we're going to ask you if you want to carry on the journey with us. And for those of you that say yes, you're going to get amazing value when you get to the next bit. For those of you that said no, we're just going to give you something so that you don't feel like we ended the day here, but it's actually not going to be that good. And I've been to a few too many events that are like that. And I go out of my way not to run events like that. You know, for me, it's like deliver at 100% right to the end and maybe even beyond. And I think my point that I want to make to kind of wrap this episode up is whatever you're doing, whether that's driving home, climbing down a mountain, speaking on a stage, running an event, providing a 12-month service, two-year service, 10-year service to a client, how do you show up and be in the room on every interaction 100% and when you're not in the room admit you're not in the room but you're in the room for something else and that's it whatever your thing is you're in the room for the thing See, that's a really good point I often say to a client that in the break or after I finish speaking for about 10 minutes I'm not going to be in the room because my mind is now slowing down so if you start asking me these real questions and sometimes as you come off the stage especially if you speak just before lunch people come up to you and ask you and I say I'm just not there for a minute. I just need to let you know I was in the room. Give me about two minutes. I'll get back in the room so I can really focus. And clients really appreciate when you tell them I'm just not here. Yep. And and and, and, I, and my face unfortunately says I'm not there because I kind of go. And and it's really evident that I'm not there. So for everyone who's listening, be in the room. Be with the people you love. Tell them you love them and be in the room. And invite other people into the room if you got value from this. Need a wee wee. Need a wee wee. Need a quick wee.